This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Topics worthy of discussion for Pizzaville. Dial pound 3636. This weekend be a good time to do that Thanksgiving. By the way, uh, you know, speaking of restaurants, the Sufi's restaurant on Queen West. Sherry, did you get out there today? I didn't, but uh, I think it's a happy story. It's just a good news story. It reopened. Wonderful. Well, this is the restaurant, mm-hmm. I guess, was opened in 2017. Syrian uh, refugees came and uh, they set this place up with their two sons. And I guess the story was that uh, it had been uh a place that uh, I guess received threats and maybe even uh, you know some death threats. I don't know to what extent, but nonetheless, uh, because uh, the backstory is about three four weeks ago when Maxime Bernier was appearing at Mohawk College, uh, there was I guess a confrontation out front where some people were being deterred from going in. Uh, an elderly couple, you might have seen the video as well, woman with a walker and uh, some people barring the entrance. Uh, calling them Nazi scum and berating them, harassing them. Uh, And these were the Antifa folk, one of whom just happens to be the son of these Syrian refugees, and he works in a restaurant. So that was the connection to where some of the antipathy was expressed uh, in these messages to the restaurant. And I was thinking because these Antifa people were saying, well, we're standing up against oppression. But here's where it became ironic to me, because this was a Maxime Bernier event, and uh, Bernier has talked about a values test for immigrants, and wouldn't one of those values be tolerance and free speech should be upheld? These are principles that sort of underpin our liberal democracy, and this young man with Antifa sort of betrayed all of that. And he's a recent arrival, Matty DiMuccio. Do you see my circular argument here? Yeah, well, I mean, that's the whole circular argument when it comes to that. You know, anything that 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 says free speech, there is always a circular argument there, right? We do have the, the right to speak freely. We do have the right to protest freely. But uh, we don't have the right to, you know, to, to hurt people or to, to make our point in those ways where you're impeding somebody. Right, and I don't uh, in any way condone what was said to this restaurant, the owner, or whomever, but I've just found it somewhat ironic. Do you see what I'm saying, Sherry DeNova? Well, first of all, I mean, I don't, uh, there wasn't a direct line, I don't think, between this, uh, the worker at the restaurant and um, was Antifa. I know, but I mean... Uh, he was they, one of them I, in that group. Well, I've been to demonstrations where Antifa shows up. Um, it doesn't mean you're part of Antifa just because you're in the same demonstration. Well, barring the woman. You know, uh, well, here, you know, again, this, this, you know, who knows what actually happened there. Um, whatever well, happened video, there. So we saw that she was yeah, but he, from walking By his own it. admission. Um, whatever, you know, happened, it does not justify death threats against owners of a restaurant. Um, it, you know. Well, his, that's true. And I know, agree with that. I'm just, I'm just yeah. saying there's kind of an irony in there because uh, Maxine Bernier's talked about a values test. Well, it's also free speech to protest a Maxine Bernier um, event, and I think that's a reasonable thing. All right, but it's also also free speech for Maxine Bernier to say, how about a values test so people who come here understand uh, what our liberal democracy represents? Michael Giles, do you get my point? Well, I I see what you're saying, but, you know, the reality is that uh, I always look at this kind of stuff and say that your free demands remind begins. And it's inappropriate to block people going into a rally, whether you like it or not. It's also un- uh, unacceptable to be, you know, issuing death threats to people or threats over. And a lot of this stuff, is, I think, and I always go back to this thing, a lot of this is bravery that's found on social media. You know, <clears throat> the anonymity of, you know, sitting in the basement, my old analogy, sitting in the basement with the bare light bulb swinging back and forth at 3 o'clock in the morning until you can, you know, say anything to anybody. And that stuff, I think, I think we just have to ratchet down the political debate. I mean, and having said, you yeah, know... Here's my question. Here's my question. Let me cut back to the chase. Where, yeah. uh, how does somebody who is welcomed into Canada, is embraced in Canada, 
all these wonderful values that we uphold suddenly doesn't subscribe to those values. Well, I mean, there's a lot of people who have lived here for 50 years who don't subscribe to those values. Well, that's true. I, I don't agree. Think that's... But I'm just saying a new arrival. You well, would think that they would want to embrace those things like free speech, tolerance. Well, I think, yeah, yeah everyone should embrace free speech and tolerance. And I think that, you know, for example, if you're ask, asking somebody who's coming into Canada, do you believe in free speech and tolerance? I doubt they're going to say no. So I'm not sure how effective a values test would be. Should in take that it, well, I get, I get your point, but I think they should take it to heart. No. Well, I think everyone should take it to heart, regardless of whether you're here 10 minutes or 100 years. I think people are just so focused and narrow-minded on their own agenda that they don't have the depth of personality to understand your what the, the point that you're trying to make, John. And I do certainly understand it. And, you know, you we need to be introspective about what we're actually, you know, doing and thinking and saying. And in this case, I think, um, you know, this... You, you can't just there's so much political rhetoric out there. You can't even talk about immigration anymore today without somebody calling you a racist. You know, you can't talk about gun control without somebody calling you pro-gun. And you, you can't. What about foreign aid? When Andrew Shear exactly. mentioned he's going to cut foreign aid by 25 percent to focus instead on domestic issues. Uh, Sherry DeNovo, is he wrong about that? Yes, he is wrong. And in fact, uh, his figures have been pretty well um, disproven by uh, all the folks that uh, know, like Global Affairs Canada and many other independent organizations have looked at his figures and said, what are you talking about? Um, you know, we don't give that much money to wealthy countries. And really what you're talking about when you're cutting foreign aid is you're talking about, you know, clean water for, you know, folk. You're talking about women's rights and children's rights. And what countries about the that really Asian Infrastructure Development Bank? Does China need our money? Well, again, you know, let's this the, the devil's in the details here. And if you look at the details, and um, you know, this it simply doesn't hold up. These conservative figures simply do not hold up. You know, it's we don't give two point two billion dollars to wealthy countries. We don't. Um, so, I mean, again, you can't throw these things out either, either on left or right, and not be prepared to be taken to task for it. And people who actually know what they're talking about but drill do down give... and say, I mean, you know, is it is it you know there's some help for um, um, so Italy, because of a natural disaster, is that giving money to a wealthy government or is it stepping in in humanitarian aid? So, again, we, we, you know, you have to look at the figures here. But, I mean, nobody that's in the Foreign Service or that's in, that, that looks at development in, in other countries really buys those figures. So I think that's enough. Well, let me. me ask you about some more figures here that sure. Uh, I'm sure we'll quibble over these. Uh, the IMF, International Monetary Fund came out with some figures earlier today. Uh, they said when it comes to uh, price on carbon, uh, Canada's got it wrong. $50, which is, by the way, the high end of what they're projecting by 2022. Right now, it's $20 a ton of emissions with their carbon tax. And uh, on an escalating $10 per annum, uh, it goes up by 2022, it's going to be $50. They're saying, that's not going to do it. It's got to be at least $75 U.S. dollars. So probably 100 bucks. You have to double that. Uh, so does that then lead us to believe if we're not doing enough, the Trudeau liberals are lying to us and we've got to up the threshold, uh, if we're going to be responsible and meet the targets set in Paris in 2015, Michael, how do you see it? Well, I think, frankly, and I you know you're going to, I think we all have to do more. Having said that, there's also, <laughs> you know, that's going to be the liberal answer. <laughs> Having said that, we also have to be realistic. Uh, we live in a country where, you know, energy costs, energy is not, an, is not an option here for most people. you got to heat your homes in the winter. You know, we are a large country. You don't just, you know, it's not like in some places in Europe where you can hop on a rapid transit and be somewhere in 15 minutes. We are a large country. We have large 
you know, rural populations, large places where we have to, to travel. So, yeah, I think there, we have to be, you know, we can do things. I'm not sure $75, frankly, is realistic or even acceptable from our, our side. Uh, I too think high is what you're saying. Too high. Well, yeah, I think it it's is. too... If, if, the, if this is going to impact, the, you know, at the extent where people cannot afford to live, then that is an issue. Sherry, should we be paying what the IMF is suggesting is the actual threshold? Well, first of all, we have to take responsibility. We're, we're the worst of the G20 con- countries in terms of our emissions in Canada, uh, mainly because of our subsidies to oil and gas and, and what we do. And we're talking about life and death here. Um, and there's lots we could do. John, you had a, a wonderful man on earlier in the show talking about how to power cars differently. If we put money into green technology, there's far more jobs, first of all. It requires investment by the government. So I think Carbon tax is one of the, the, you know, one of the options we should be looking at. But there's so many more options that we should be looking at in terms of reaching uh, what we need to reach just to prevent disaster in our country. We're already experiencing that. I came from the Ottawa Valley. They had floods, ice storms. You know, I mean, I, this there were churches, churches in the Ottawa a couple of weeks ago. They I had was an speaking. Ice storm? Well, they've had it. They had flooding. They've oh had. I mean, it, they had a tornado. <laughs> and okay. guess what? The churches there have disaster committees and churches. Mm. I mean, this is what we're looking at down the, the down the road if we don't do something. And it's already being felt in most of the countries south uh, south of here. Right. The point you is know. that the IMF is saying uh, we are falling far short of our and commitment. And we are. And we absolutely and are. So however yeah. we reach that, you're saying we've got to dig deeper. We, we have to. We did, And again, did we turn on a dime in World War II in terms of our economy and what we did? Yes, we did. When we're faced with a crisis, we can do it. And I'm sure we can do it in Canada. And there have been proposals put forward, not just by the Liberals, but certainly Greens and NDP. Both have proposals to do it. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.